Well, I'd like to talk to you about something I'm talking to you about, words. Uh, we live in a day of rapidly changing ideas. Traditional values tumble before our very eyes and ears. What was right a generation ago is wrong today. I mean, uh, you used to be able to enjoy Dr. Seuss. He gets a black eye for some reason. Uh, even Pinocchio gets a black eye or a broken nose. I don't know which it is, but he gets troubled. Um, old Disney movies are not much in order these days. The new ones are, and you probably wouldn't give two cents for them. For the culture at large, truth and morality are what they consider relative. What's true for you may not be true for me. What's true for me may not be truth for you. That's the idea of relative. Even words are undergoing redefinition. Let me give you some benign ones to ponder before I give you the rough ones. Do you remember when an application was for employment? Do you remember when a CD was a bank account? Do you remember when a program was a show on television? Do you remember when a web was a spider's home? Do you remember when a hard drive was a long drive in the country? <laughs> Do you remember memory when memory was something you lost when you got older? Do you remember when a keyboard was a piano? And do you remember when a virus was the flu? All of these things have changed, but something more insidious can't use the word family anymore. We know now how smart people can be so right out dumb and not know the difference between a male and a female. Uh, we can't use terms like he and she anymore. You know what? Let's use those terms. Amen? Let's, let's be the resistance. Let's be what I believe we've become. We've become the counterculture. So let's operate like we're counterculture. Listen to the things the world is trying to perpetrate against us and use, and we just are not going to march to that drum. Amen? We believe as Christians that there are absolutes. We believe there is such a thing as truth. And we believe, as our sermon title says this morning, your words matter. As a result, the time is going to come when we will face the judges of the counterculture calling themselves the cancel culture. One day that'll happen. It's happening in churches in, 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 in Canada right now where pastors are preaching out of God's word and they're being canceled or put in, put in jail. That can happen here very quickly. Scripture instructs and life validates that words are powerful and they can produce consequences for help or for harm. Job 6.25, how forcible are right words. If you don't understand the impact of words, you'll never really understand history and you'll never really understand human nature. How powerful are words? How powerful are your words? You're not a historical figure. You're not a political figure. You're not a person with a lot of influence, and yet your words matter. Let's take a look at our text for the morning, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and this really speaks to the heart of the message this morning. Let's stand together for these 12 verses as we pay respect to God's word this morning. And I will break these verses down for you. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. 
For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor lists. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a, word, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members. It defiles the whole body, it sets on fire the course of nature, it set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Wherewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. You may be seated. James writes in the last verse of the preceding chapter, verse 26, he says this, faith without works is dead. In other words, you may talk like a Christian, you may pronounce yourself a Christian, but when people see your life, you know what? They don't see any evidence whatsoever. As has been said many times, and even from this pulpit, if it was illegal to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to get a conviction? Think about that. What follows in chapter 3 is that works are not limited to actions. Words are also works. Much of the work of the world is accomplished through the medium of words. And verse 1 reminds us leaders and teachers are wordsmiths. They communicate ideas through their words. Their words can have an indelible impression for good or harm on receptive and immature minds. Here's an interesting thing I discovered recently. Someone did some research on Hitler's book Mein Kampf, which means my struggle. He discovered this, when you add up the words in the book, you will find that in World War II, 125 lives were lost for every 125 pages he wrote. 4,700 people were killed for every page in the book that he wrote. And 1,200,000 died for every chapter in Adolf Hitler's book. Words are powerful. And the words in that book fired a whole nation up. Those who teach lead. Those who teach influence what their audience thinks and believes. Who's influencing you? What are you watching on television? Who are you listening to on the radio? Who's, the per who's your go-to person for what's true and what's not true? Where is the place you go? Some people pick at particular news stations and say, that's where I'm going to get the truth. That's where I'm going to get my information. A lot of stuff is being told to us that's out and out lies. In an article by a renowned Bible teacher, he shared an unfortunate account of intolerance and offensive speech. Quote, here's what he writes. 
I'm reminded of a friend who questioned her professor at a prestigious university as to why the professor so delighted in mocking Christianity. She was sent to the dean's office and told that she was being disruptive in the class. Rather surprised, she answered that it was the teacher who was digressing from his subject and attacking Christians that she took issue with because it was the faith of her family and her own personal belief. In fact, her father was a chair of one of the departments in the same university. And here's what the dean told her. You're here now for an education. Up to this point, your family has brainwashed you. Imagine sending one of your students to a university like that, where that's the opinion that they hold there. Here's the rest of the story. The student took the school to court, and she won. Whose values are being indoctrinated in the minds of the people in your family and the students here in our own county? James writes in verses 2 and 3, we are all capable of offending with our words. You may not want to offend somebody. Hey, listen, the worst case scenario is standing behind this desk and thinking you're not going to offend somebody. James alerts us to the fact that our words have power and it's going to take direct action on our part to exercise any control over our tongue. Jean, uh, uh, Jean. hi, how are you? <laughs> see, I see her and I think of her. <laughs> James uses horse bits, ship rudders, fire, and wild animals as illustration of the power of words. A horse bit has two purposes, turning and stopping. If you've ridden horses, you know that that's the case. Here are three teaching points from horses bits illustration. One, we must learn to turn our words from the mean-spirited, the demeaning, the harsh, the abusive, and negative words, and turn to supportive, encouraging, uplifting, hopeful, positive, and understanding words. What direction are your words taking you? We need to stop using vulgar, profane, sacrilegious, suggestive, sensual, angry, gossiping, and bigoted words. Are we listening to ourselves? Do we hear ourselves and our speech? Are we on the positive side? Are we on the negative side? Are we on the harsh side? Are we on the abusive side? Are we always looking for the negative? Learning to bridle our tongue is a sign of Christian maturity. Learning some, listen to this, it's easier to fight for one's principles than to live up to them. It's easier to fight for our principles than to live up to them. We want to grow in grace in our speech. Verses 4 and 5 say uncontrolled words can take us where we don't want to go. And that's why James uses the analogy of a ship and its rudder. In the hands of a skilled navigator, the ship navigates the big storms and water conditions that can destroy the vessel. Your life can be altered by your words. Amen? Have you ever said to yourself, why did I say that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Listen to what Proverbs 21:23 says. Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from, trail, from trouble. Say the right thing at the right time and keep quiet most of the time. As I guess a paraphrasing of that. It can even get a little harsher. Say the right thing at the right time and shut up most of the time. 
There's never been a more profound time than today with Twitter, Facebook. The things you might put on Facebook, on your Facebook page, they're going to live forever. People are going to be able to go back and look at them. People are using your Facebook page for employment. They're trying to find out what you think. It seems ironic to me that people will run to their Facebook so quickly to say what they think. Most people are very private. But do people realize when they get on Facebook or Twitter or these things that they're opening themselves to the whole world? People are looking into your soul when they write what you're, what you're writing on Twitter and, and uh, so forth. What you tweet, what you post on Facebook can destroy your reputation and your relationships. And that can follow you for years. If we could only have a second chance to take back some of the words we said, we probably wouldn't. But unfortunately, there are too many times in our life when we can't take back what we said. Amen? That's where forgiveness comes. That's where grace and mercy come. Because there's not a perfect person in this meeting house. Uh, when fiery words get out of control, people get burned. Once you're in the habit of rude, crude, unkind, insensitive speech, it's hard to change. Get on a track. A track sometimes you'd like to get off and it's too hard for you to do. You got used to talking like this. You got used to browbeating people. James says it's like taming wild animals. That's pretty tough, but it's not impossible. Taming the tongue, changing the talk can happen with desire on your part and help from God. It begins with beautiful words like this, which we heard at the opening of the service this morning. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What you say starts up here. What you say comes from here. To me, the most powerful things you can possibly hear is when people speak from their heart. Some of the things that differentiate beautiful singing from just singing is when people sing from the heart. That's what really touches you. Verses 9 to 12, our words can be an indication of the condition of our heart. Jesus, James questions, in effect, has someone, how someone could praise God on Sunday morning and curse someone out on Sunday afternoon. How could sweet words come from someone who's always bitter? And you know, sometimes I hear people say things, and you've heard people say things, and you wonder, where did that come from? And I think you have to recognize sometimes that what people say comes from something in here, some experience they've lived through, something that's made them who they are today in part. So we can infer what we say has a deeper source. What we say, writes James, comes from another place. The source is our heart. Wounding words may be the sign of a wounded heart. Someone's been so hurt in life that they feel the only way they can get over it is to hurt somebody else. Angry words can be the sign of a bitter heart. And you know what bitterness is? Bitterness is when you have not let go of the things that made you angry. They made you angry and you had a flare up, but you never talked them through, you never got over them, and what happened? Those angry feelings took root inside of you. They, you know when you have weeds on a, on a rainy day and the weeds just came up, you can pull them up so easy when the, the ground is wet. But when the ground gets dried out and gets hard, 
You try to pull up those weeds, it's a different matter. Well, this is what happens with anger. When we allow anger to, set, to, uh, to get inside of us and we don't deal with it, we don't talk about it, we don't confess it to the Lord, we don't try to, to, to deal with it, it becomes rooted deeply inside and you can't root it out so easily. So angry feelings can come from a bitter place in us. Cheerful words can come from a merry heart. When some people walk into this church in the morning and smile, the whole place lights up. Amen? You think I'm talking about you? You're right, I am talking about you. <laughs> Uplifting words come from a joyful heart. In other words, to lift somebody else, you have to be lifted up. There has to be some joy inside of you that you want to spread. Your joy is contagious. Your anger is also contagious. Kind words come from a caring heart. People who have compassion and they care for others. Conceited words, you may say, boy, all this guy ever does is, I've known a few people, all they ever talk about was themselves. All you ever heard was me, 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 I, I, I. And it was I, I, I after a while. But that's all you heard. And you say, this person is so caught up with themselves, but what I came to realize about a few of those folks is this, that they were very insecure. There was something inside of them that they felt that if they don't stand up for themselves, if they don't, if they don't advertise for themselves, nobody else will because no one could possibly see the good things in them. Do we look for the good things in people? Insensitive words can be sign of a hard heart. Now, these are, these are not the one-offs. When I was in business and, and, and evaluating people who worked for me, I never went, I never evaluated someone on the basis of a one-off. And what I mean was, I looked for the patterns. I looked to see if people, the way people were over the long haul. But if they did something that surprised me on the basis of one event, I didn't hold any of that against them in my evaluations of them. I looked for the patterns, not the one-offs. So all of these things we look at, we want to see the big picture for this person. In this regard, the heart and the tongue are connected. Verses 13 to 16 say, our words can be hurtful or uplifting, and they can have lifelong implications. Word can be used to cause very violent death of millions, and they can be used to crush the hopes and dreams and confidence of a child. The children are listening. They hear and repeat what they hear. Profanity, have you ever said, where did that kid learn to talk like that? Right, have you ever heard that? In ShopRite or someplace and you wonder, where did that kid learn to talk like that? To use those words, where do you think? Profanity, negative talk, disrespect, harsh words, when you call them stupid, an idiot, a failure, bad, fat, ugly, they rehearse those images until they get to the point where they adopt those words as their own. They become who you helped shape as a parent. Words can become self-fulfilling, leading to anxiety, depression, stress, and anger. Children start believing your propaganda because they believe you. The, the most beautiful relationship in the world is between a parent and a child. Words matter. Children are listening. Our words elevate or destroy. And in my closing points, what about God's words? 
Let me share some of these scriptures. I've given you a list up here. Psalm 1830 says of God's word that it's been tried and tested. You can trust this book. Amen? You can trust God's word. Any doubts about what's true? Dig. If you're not sure, dig. And if you can't dig, you can call your pastor, call deacons, find out. Psalm 33, 4. God's word is right. It's always on the right side. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, it's therapeutic. Did you know that meditating on this book can be therapeutic? It can drive away your anxieties. It can lift your spirits. Any, amen, anybody? Amen. Have you gone through the Psalms? I know, I know one, one person in this congregation who does the Psalms every day. And that person often tells me, I had a day starting out in the book of Psalms and it just lifted my heart. God's word can be therapeutic just when you need it the most. It'll keep you from sin. Psalm 119, listen to all of these things. You can trust it. You can know it's the truth. You can know it's the source of hope. And that word hope is so important today because people feel so hopeless. It's pure. It's changeless. You can't change the Bible. Bible actually, the Bible says those who try to change it have a curse on them. It's the light of life, and it's the source of our meditation. James 3, 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. When you have God's word in your heart, it begins to displace all the negative stuff. If you have this glass of water here and it's filled with dirty water and I come along with a big pitcher and I start pouring it into this glass, it, that clean water and the pitcher begins to dissipate this, begins to pull, pull up all the dirty water and it won't be long before the dirty water has been replaced and displaced by the clean water. So it is when you studied God's word. It'll turn your heart around. It'll turn your mind around. It'll retune you. It'll help you change the station on your negative thinking of the moment. God's word can do all that and more if you invest in it, if you pour yourself into God's word and let the Holy Spirit pour God's word into you. God's word used by the Holy Spirit will transform a life and will help to control your tongue. Words do matter. And God's word matters the most. Amen? So this morning's message, has it spoken to you in any way? Did it ask you to check yourself? Did you look in, into your own words? Did you get a sense of the Holy Spirit telling you something? If you did, I'd like to pray for you this morning. I'd like to encourage you not to let go of those, those feelings that you had this morning. But I ask the Lord in prayer to let those words that affected you this morning continue to affect you for the rest of the day and that you will ask the Lord to help you do whatever the Holy Spirit was trying to tell you here during this half hour. Is it a deal? Let's pray. Now before we do, I'm going to ask, if you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in your own words this morning, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? Yeah, so many folks this morning. 
If the Lord spoke to you this morning, he's trying to tell you something. I'm only the messenger. And the message for you this morning is God can control your tongue with your help. And he needs you to be all in on this. And so this morning, Father, I just pray that you would touch the hearts and the lips because we know that out of our lips proceeds what's in our heart. And so I pray, Father, that you change our hearts, that you would change our words, and you would encourage us to follow you each day. Help us not only to live in such a way that people can see us, but when we speak, help us to be able to represent you well as your ambassadors in a world, in a world that's filled with hate speech, in a world that's filled with negativity, in a world that's filled with anger. Help us to give up all of those things and in exchange, speak words of praise for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to love and taught us to care, who taught us to forgive, who taught us to lead with grace and mercy. Help folks here this morning, Lord, who have anger in their hearts and bitterness in their hearts to let go. Help those who are always negative, Lord, to look for the positive things in your word and in others. And I pray this morning, Father, that those who are victims to words of profanity and abuse and hardness and negativity and gossip would be able to give up those things with your help. Encourage us on our journey, Lord. None of us has made it. Every one of us is in violation of one of the things that was spoken about this morning. And so, Father, let us give our whole selves to you this morning to submit to your Holy Spirit, to let him wash our minds, wash our hearts, and make us clean and pure. In Jesus' precious name, amen.